precious saints of the Lord, I greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all those that have gathered with us online at their homes and down at the camp, we just wish God's blessing upon you. Brother John Andes and the group over there, we sure appreciate you and miss you. We're looking forward to being able to gather together as before soon. Amen. God bless you all richly. We're looking forward to Brother Tim uh, Tim Dodd coming to speak to us this morning. I'm so glad he found me. <coughs> Key of F, I believe. Number uh, 250, uh, 259. I was on a mountain. I was on a mountain. Wandering from the fountain When I heard my Savior calling me He said, come to me relenting And of your sins repenting And I will lead you out where you can see shake the smoke and everything out of our eyes and our limbs and everything else and sing that first verse again we're the song says I was on a mountain wandering from the fountain 
which could mean anything really. We come from all kinds of places. But praise the Lord, we heard the call of the Savior. Amen. And we just rejoice this morning that we can walk with Him. Oh, let's sing it. Well, I was on a mountain Wandering from the fountain When I heard my Savior calling me
It's just wonderful to sing about the Lord and His marvelous works in our lives. Sometimes I feel like David. feel like fire is shut up in my bones. And I just don't know what to do with myself. But all I can do is just sing praise unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's sing Jesus. All for Jesus. All I am and have and ever hope to be. Jesus. All for Jesus, all I am and have, and ever hope to be,
Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you this morning, Lord. Lift our hands in praise unto thee, Lord Jesus. Oh, thou wonderful Savior, thou blessed Redeemer, thou nearest kinsman, Lord, kinsman Redeemer that saved us and brought us out unto yourself, Lord, and called us by your name, Lord. Oh, we worship you, Lord. You are mighty, O God. You are powerful, Lord. And we're holding to your powerful hand this morning, Father. You are our leader and our guide, O Father. And we trust in you, Lord. We surrender our all to you, Father. For it's only in your will, Lord, that we are truly free, Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for revealing yourself, Lord. Have your way in this service this morning, Father. Take full control, Lord Jesus. Oh, grant it, Lord. I'm going to ask Brother Peter, if you don't mind coming down and taking us to the throne in prayer this morning. We just have one prayer request written in from Brother Darren Hoffman. Maybe we could uh, sing, Bring All Your Needs to the Altar. <clears throat> Brother Darren Hoffman writes in that Brother Jim Rice called in for prayer for his family, his wife and his sister-in-law. They've been affected by COVID. So we want to really remember that brother and family in prayer and continue to remember Brother Ron Spencer in the assembly and Brother Donnie in his assembly and they've been battling that virus, that demon that comes from hell. And we just claim our healing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus said to bring all his, our needs to him and he's the provider of all of our needs and, and we believe that. So we'll sing that together as our brother Peter would come. Oh, bring all your needs to the altar. that I have in my heart and that's for the prodigals to come home 
Oh, brother. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, once again, we come before you with thanksgiving in our hearts. We thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord. And during this time, this COVID, and uh, people are scrambling, don't know what to do. But we, we, we thank you, Lord, for a place that we can come and, and come and dwell with you, Lord. We're just so grateful. We pray for our brothers and sisters across the border. They're gathering at the camp, Father, pray that you'll be with them. May your presence come and meet their needs too at this time, Father. Thank you to see everyone, Lord, they can come and come to the house of the Lord and put in their shoulder to the wheel and worship and praise your mighty name. And we thank you, Father, for all that you've done. So much you've done for us and uh, during this troublesome time, and, Lord, we want to give you thanks, Lord, that you keep us safe, keep our children safe, Lord. You have provided for us, Father. And we thank you very much for the ministry that we have, Lord, that provides spiritual needs for everyone, Father. We thank you for our pastor, Lord, Brother Ed. We just pray that you strengthen him day by day. And we love, we love him. And we remember Sister Ruth, too, in this time. Thank you, Brother Tom. We pray, Father, that you touch his ankle and continue to strengthen him day by day. We're looking forward to the service this morning. Brother Tim is going to bring a second part of a ministry of the service. Pray, Father, that you anoint him mightily. Anoint the bride around the world this morning. Anoint us as we hear the word. May we fall on good ground this morning, Father. We love you and appreciate you. The, the request has been read, Father. And just pray, Father, to go to every need and meet, Lord, in a way that they they have to be met, Lord. We just commit the service into your hand, the song service. Ask you, Father, to come and present yourself in our midst. We thank you, Lord, this morning for your grace and mercy. Forgive us, Lord, of our sins and trespasses, too. We, we thank you, Lord, this morning for your presence. Amen and amen. Brother Peter, praise the Lord. God is good. You can have your seats this morning. Brother George, you got a song for us? Why don't you come and get ready with uh, the group there and we'll have them sing a special for us. We just have uh, a greeting from, uh, passed on by Sister Eleanor Drake. She was visiting in the uh, Interior, Kelowna, I guess, and she said Brother Jonah Emke had sent greetings to greet the church, so I just want to be the messenger and pass that on to you all and our brothers and sisters in Kelowna, and we wish them God's blessing also. Amen. <clears throat> so it'll be a service, um, service at the camp this afternoon at... Uh, 4 p.m. I believe the church will be open here, but they will be streaming from there. So,
army of a king in his beauty there. They tell me that my eyes shall be old where he sits upon the throne that is whiter than snow. In that city that is made of gold Oh, the land of cloudless day Oh, the land of an uncloudless sky Oh, they tell me of a hope It's a wonderful song, and it's a promise, not only a promise, but a reality, and we're going to it, we're already in it, and it's in us, praise God, that's the wonderful thing about serving the Lord, it's not just some pipe dream out there that we're trying to reach out to and never can attain to, but no, He brought it to us, and He put it in us, and we're living it, we're living the dream, (laughs) Praise God, it's better than the American dream, amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God, we're going to invite our brother Tim Dodd to come and minister to us. And while he's coming, maybe we could sing, My Jesus, My Savior. Lord, there is none like you. I I just love to worship the Lord and just sing unto him and just express my heart unto him. There's something about coming to church and just letting off the pressure and singing with all your might and 
whether it's on tune or off tune that don't matter the Lord hears the heart and that's what we're concerned about we just want to express ourselves from our hearts to him and how we love him and how we appreciate him and and we just adore him this morning maybe we could stand together as we sing this my Jesus my Savior Lord there is that song because that's how I feel my Jesus my Savior Lord there is none like you you can put it back up there we're going to sing it again he's my comfort he's my shelter he's my tower of refuge and strength let every breath 
Let all that I am never cease to worship Him. That's the depths of the feeling of my soul. Even when I don't feel like it in my flesh, I still feel like that in my soul. Amen. Let's sing that together. My, my Jesus, my Savior, there is none like Heavenly Father, mighty God, King of kings and Lord of lords, we bow before your great majesty. Words cannot express how we feel, but we try. You put gifts in the body that write songs, that bring out the essence of our feelings, O God, that we're able to sing unto you and express ourselves to you and We just thank you for those gifts, Lord. And we thank you for the musicians that were able to sing. And Lord, above all, we're thankful for the Word. Your Word is life. Your Word is spirit. It's not a letter. It's not an understanding. It's not an intellect. But Lord, it's you expressing yourself to your people in a way that goes beyond human comprehension. And so we invite you, Lord, this morning... Almighty God, how great you are, but we invite you to this little gathering. We pray, Lord, that you'll just take control of the service. Take control of our thoughts. Take every spirit in here under your control. We pray for those that are at the camp. May your, may your presence just move in there, in the atmosphere that they have created. Lord, those that are at the home streaming, oh God, wherever they are, May your presence be with them now, Lord, in the atmosphere that they have created. And Lord, we invite you to just take the preeminence over every part of this service. And we ask your blessing upon it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats for a moment. Amen. Thank you, musicians. That is all the singing we'll do. Appreciate that. Greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Are you glad to be here?
Amen. I was just scanning the audience to see if any of our Indian brothers are here. I don't see any of them. I was going to say, welcome to Delhi. Now, you'll get that later. But uh, uh, the atmosphere outside, the smoke, the heavy air, uh, the, that's what it's like Delhi 24-7. And can you, if you can imagine living in this all the time, it, it just is a heavy thing. So we thank God it'll soon be gone here. Uh, out of Vancouver, the forest fires are sending this smoke our way. We can't see the sun. For those of you that are not from the lower mainland, where the sun has been blacked out out there by the smoke, but the S-O-N of God is shining bright in here. Amen. And we thank God for that. Um, I want to thank each and every one that has uh, given to the uh, purchase of the vehicle in Ethiopia. We have now purchased that vehicle. And uh, we are very thankful that God has provided them with a quality vehicle. The needs are becoming more and more for them to reach out into, uh, you might call it the jungles. It's not really jungles. I guess some places it is. Some places it's deserts and they have quite a varied uh, landscape there in Ethiopia. And into places where the, the roads are not that uh, sure, and so they're able to have a nice, uh, solid little vehicle there, and we thank God for that, and thank each and every one of you that gave. God bless you abundantly. And uh, I mentioned on Wednesday night that uh, Brother Stephen Abali uh, had just been uh, ministering to 25 Methodist ministers, and we had just received the video. So we put the video into a little clip that... Uh, uh, Brother Biscoe thought it would be a good thing to show it all live over the internet today. So if, if you have that clip, uh, I just, I'll just introduce it by saying, uh, Brother Stephen, uh, Brother Ebali, uh, was requested to come and speak to some Methodist ministers that, uh, uh, that had heard the message and been listening to the radio broadcast that Bible believers sponsors of putting the message on the radio. Every week, and that radio broadcast has been more of a uh, more of a tool in the hand of God than we ever imagined it would be. Some of the brothers that were burdened for it, and some of the ones that initially got behind it, uh, were uh, thinking, you know, getting the message to those who were illiterate. That was kind of the the impetus behind it. But uh, God had much more in mind than that in Uganda, and so it's been a huge blessing, and so it has even gone past the Pentecostal ranks. We, You've heard of many Pentecostal churches coming into the message, and it's even gone further into now uh, what's called the Methodist Church and Methodist ministers. So we just put took the video that they sent us, made a little clip for you, so you can go ahead and show that now. Kwa 
in that. We sent it out also over WhatsApp. If you, uh, if you have not received it on WhatsApp, the, the advantage of WhatsApp is if, if, someone, if you get it on WhatsApp, you can send it to somebody else on WhatsApp. And uh, if you want to get it on WhatsApp, uh, just contact the office here and let Sister Megan know what number to send it to you on WhatsApp. And we'll make sure that you get it, and then you can send it out from there. I always, when we do these short little clips, I send it to brothers all over the world, and they send back that they're rejoicing, and they're happy, and thrilled at what God is doing in Uganda. And you'll also get the next little clip that we're just finalizing, and that is because Brother Fred Chienji just sent us some video of a meeting that he had this past Monday. And on Monday, he met with 90 Pentecostal ministers who had never before sat to hear the message of the hour. And so now another group of 90 Pentecostal ministers over in Uganda have also embraced the, the, I'll say, the elemental revelations in the message of the hour. Often the brothers, one of the first things they introduce is the Godhead because the, whether it be the Pentecostals or the Baptists or the Methodists, they're strong Trinitarians. And they've been taught this false trinity doctrine. But when the truth of the revelation that has been restored in our day comes to their ears, when the predestinated see to hear it, just like you or me, they always say, that's the truth. Amen. And so realizing that the truth, then they realize their Trinitarian baptism is not sufficient. And so then they, they, even these Pentecostal ministers, Brother Fred, I was speaking to him yesterday on the telephone, and uh, uh, he, he told me, he says, they're ready to be baptized, he says, but we have to put it off till after the uh, shutdown is finished for, because of this coronavirus, COVID thing. And so they, they're not able to gather them for baptism and, and that sort of thing, but, but that's all pending there, the same with the Methodist ministers. So you pray for them. Amen. Amen. God is having His way in Uganda. Isn't it wonderful? I don't know why you're not standing and shouting, honestly. I'm standing. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) It's good to be uh, a part of what God is doing in the last days. And what He's doing in Uganda and Ethiopia and different places is just so phenomenal 
There are not words to describe it. It's, it's always amazing how the sovereignty of God is working. We just put an article up on the website, contains this video, some pictures of Bi- more Bibles being given out to the new congregations and, and church age books and different things. So, uh, you'll want to read that. But if you want to get it on WhatsApp, both the video I just showed you and the next one that will be just coming out, just a short little video explaining what's happening, then just contact our office uh, by the contact form on the bottom of the webpage or by phoning in, uh, whatever you prefer, then uh, you'll be able to get these WhatsApp videos. Amen. God bless you. And uh, we'll just uh, stand together. If you have your Bibles with you, we'll turn to the Word this morning. It's now 11.15. I want to try and get you out by 12.15. Uh, we have an afternoon service at 4 o'clock. Brother John Andes is going to preach to us from the camp and greetings to the camp uh, who out there, they are out there watching now. Greetings to each and every one of you. I don't have the feedback on the screen. Oh, there it is. There's the feedback. God bless you there. They're starting to gather in and uh, put that back up on the screen here. Uh, there, everybody that's here now can turn around. Sorry to the people in the balcony. You can't see that, but, uh, there they are beginning to gather in. They'll, I'm sure that will be full by the evening service. And so the evening service will be streamed here. And so we want to, uh, make that available for the local congregation. Brother John will be preaching at the camp. I will say John 16, by the way, is where we're turning. I will say while you're turning, uh, God bless you for uh, observing better the protocols of social distancing in the parking lot. It was better on Wednesday night, and I know it can even get better. And so just be careful uh, for the sake of the neighbors. They're very interested if we break social distancing protocols, and uh, not in a good way. So uh, you want to just make sure that if you're fellowshipping with somebody, just stay six feet apart. Is that all right? I don't think six feet is any worse than four feet and uh, uh, or three feet. So uh, we just want to observe that. And I will make one other comment because it came to my attention just before the service. If you're not able to make the service, please cancel. Uh, there was a couple, the deacons told me there was a couple that are not going to be here this morning that didn't cancel. And so they didn't open up uh, the seats for somebody else. Other people want to come. You'll notice the services were totally uh, booked up. Uh, all the spaces were booked. And so uh, for the sake of somebody else, please uh, cancel if you're not able to make it. Even if you cancel uh, an hour before the service. I'm sure that I'm sure there are, are people that uh, that watch the numbers or even phone the office. Uh, there's people like Brother EBA who would come at the last minute if he saw a spot available. Amen. I see you here quite a bit, so I know he's watching for the available spots. And uh, it's good. That's good. It means you want to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. And, uh, you know, it's good to see you here. And I was thinking, I was telling my wife this morning, she's here somewhere. She's up there. Okay. And I was telling her this morning, you know, it, I feel sorry for you because now when the preacher is preaching, you can't hide. Now that we're all spread out, there's nobody to hide behind. 
And so I feel like if I look at somebody, they think I'm preaching right at them. And and so I just want to say, if I look at you, it's not that I'm preaching at you. I got to look at somebody. And so you be prepared to pull, but uh, uh, there's no one to hide behind. But God bless you for being here. We trust the Lord will just open his word to us afresh this morning. Amen. So let's take our Bibles in John chapter 16 and verse 20. Verily, verily, I say unto you that you shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. And you shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembered no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And you now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. And in that day you shall ask nothing, verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name, ask and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day, and I'll say that day has arrived in its fullness, at that day you shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loveth you, because you have loved me, and have believed that I came out from God. Amen. The Lord had his blessing to the word. You may be seated. If I had a deacon to bring me a small bottle of water, I didn't know there wasn't one here. Please. Now, we find in the scripture, as I mentioned last week, many occasions of joy that are brought about by different events. But there are a few occasions in the Bible where it speaks about great joy. Not just joy, which can come at many different uh, events in uh, an individual's life, but there's aspects, thank you, there are aspects in the Scripture that take the word joy and add another word to it. To In English, we would say great joy, uh, in maybe the Hebrew or the Greek, it would be, it would be more than just simply great joy, or it's more than just a lot of joy. It's, it's like a, uh, pinnacle or a paramount place of joy that a person comes to. And in the, in the Old Testament, it's interesting because we, uh, we see under the ministry of uh, David, we find the first use of this word great joy, or this phrase great joy. And that is when David in 1 Kings chapter 39 and, and verse 39, it talks about the change of administration from David to Solomon. And, and it shows us that joy can come unexpectedly. And I'll, and I'll say that because I don't think the people 
were expecting that this was going to happen because Adonijah had already gone out amongst the people proclaiming himself as king. He had already said that I'm the one and and he had, I think, 50 men or 50 chariots or horses or whatever it was run before him and the trumpets blew and and they shouted, God save the king. And and so they're like, wow, this is this is something. But they but even though it happened, it never brought great joy amongst the people. But now in first Kings chapter thirty nine. We find it says, Zadok the priest took a horn of oil out of the tabernacle and anointed Solomon, and they blew the trumpet. All the people said, God save the king. God save King Solomon. And all the people came up after him, and the people piped with pipes and rejoiced with great joy, so that the sound, so that the earth was rent with the sound of them. Now think about that. This wasn't just, oh, this is really wonderful and nice and we're singing. No, the earth was rent with the sound of them. The earth shook. The people were so excited and thrilled at what was taking place. David had, David had not yet gone off the scene. David was still alive, but he was an elderly man that, that, that had, had diminished. And so now he had to, he had to pass on that to God's uh, man for the job. And so that came now into position. And as that came into position, it was almost like a spontaneous outbreak of joy amongst the people. Now, there's a lot of events now happening in this way, because now in, in the coming days, David says, you know, Solomon, my son, is still young, and it's his job to fill the, uh, to build the temple. And then David says, so I will help him to gather everything. And in First Chronicles chapter 29, we won't turn to these scriptures, but you know, if you brothers wanted to put them up on the, on the screen for the believers on the internet, that would be fine. In First Chronicles 29 and verse 9, it says that the people offered willingly. It says, then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly because with a perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord and David the king also rejoiced with great joy. Amen. So now this this joy was coming out of a sacrifice. They were giving, they were offering, they were taking of their substance and they were, they were furthering the work of God in their day. They, there was something that God was moving amongst the people and, and the pieces were falling into place and God was in supreme control. And the people recognized that. You know, I believe that's the way it is with the people of God is that when you recognize that God is in control, Excuse me, Brother Silas, I don't mean to make your job difficult. But, you know, when, when people recognize that God is in control and they recognize that the Holy Spirit is moving, it might come in an unexpected way, but there's something that wells up within the believer. And, and it burst out amongst them there, and it was great joy. It was outstanding joy amongst the people. Oh, don't you love it when God takes control of a situation? Amen. That's what we want in our lives. That's what we want in the church. That's what we want everywhere. Let God take control of the situation. Let the Holy Spirit have His way. You know, we find an interesting scripture in Second Chronicles chapter 30. How that 
the Hezekiah being a godly king after several kings that were not godly. And as he began to restore the temple, and as he began to restore the worship, and as he began to restore the Passover, and bring the people into a correct form of worship, and send out, and there's really no other way to say it, send out amongst Israel the message. Send out the message that there's been a restoration. Send out the message that we ought to worship God the way He says He should be worshipped. And they, he begins to draw Israel together into a place of worship. And it says, he did give to the congregation a thousand bullocks and seven thousand sheep. And the princes gave to the congregation a thousand bullocks and ten thousand sheep. And a great number of priests sanctified themselves and all the congregation with the priests and the Levites and all the congregation that came out of Israel and the strangers that came out of the land of Israel that dwelt in Judah, rejoiced. So that there was great joy in Jerusalem. For since the time of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, there was not the like in Jerusalem. Hallelujah. So it takes it takes us right back now to the original place where Solomon is ascending to his throne. He's also taking on his purpose of rebuilding the temple. It takes us right back to that joy and says, that joy was restored in Israel. Hallelujah. It wasn't just that they were happy. It's that this joy matched that joy. You know, we can find it in Nehemiah. How that when they rebuilt the temple, it brought great joy. We won't refer to the scripture, but it's in chapter 12 if you want to read it when you go home. And how that Israel as a nation, they begin to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And they begin, and they dedicated those walls. And in the dedication of those walls, it brought a great joy amongst them. Now, let me just say this. You, to have joy, you have to have a purpose. I want that to sink in. Joy does not come without a purpose. You've got to have something that brings the joy. All right, we talked about stimulation of revelation. Uh, several of us have spoken about it. But the stimulation comes because of revelation. It's not the revelation, but the stimulation is the result of receiving revelation. But also, also joy in the life of the believer and great joy in the scripture and joy throughout the scriptures. You know, even the scripture that we opened with says that a woman travails in sorrow, but when a son is born, there's joy. There's something that brings the joy. And it wasn't easy. Hello? It wasn't easy for the woman to have the child. And any of you mothers that are here understand that. It's not easy. The birth is a, a time of great agony and pain and sorrow. But yet in the midst of that, there's a joy that comes forth because of that. But in order to have that joy, you had to have that sorrow. Amen? Amen. You're with me so far. I'm just taking this slowly. Now, in the, in the, in the New Testament, we find the things that are related to, that bring great joy. Firstly, when the Messiah arrives. 
And the angels appear uh, to uh, the shepherds and says, Fear not, I bring you good tidings of great joy. The writers even say that could have been interpreted, We evangelize you with great joy. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We're, we're bringing you great tidings of great joy. This is an event that will bring great joy. And when they understood that the Messiah was born in the city of Bethlehem. And that they could go and worship him. They left their flocks in the field and they went to worship him. Is that right? Amen. And so this was a, a great thing of great joy that brought about. Because joy is tied to God's purpose in your life. And your purpose is tied to Christ. As a believer, our purpose is not an independent purpose. Our purpose is tied to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when that purpose is revealed, it's like the, it's like the wise men. The Bible records of them in Matthew chapter 2. It says that when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. They had come all the way following this star. They had gone to Jerusalem. They didn't see the star. They asked, where is he that's born king of the Jews? They said, well, he'd be in Bethlehem. I'm paraphrasing a long story. And they, and they left the city of Jerusalem. And nobody knew about this birth. But when they left the city of Jerusalem, they beheld the star again. And they rejoiced with great joy because their purpose, their efforts, everything that they were about was tied to that star. Sometimes we don't even realize that what we are about as the bride of Jesus Christ, the very purpose behind it is tied to a star. God had seven stars in his hand and the seventh star, his commission is to gather a bride. It's not just to preach a message in general and just have some kind of doctrines and ideas. His purpose is to gather a bride. Therefore, our purpose is wound up in that star. Just like uh, uh, Rebecca's purpose was wound up in Eliezer. He wasn't her purpose, but his, his mission was to get a bride for Isaac. And her position, which was to be Isaac's bride, and to be the mother of nations, and to be a, a mother of a people, and, and to be used of God in a mighty way, it was bound up right within that. You couldn't separate and say, oh, well, Eliezer, he's nothing now. And, you know, he just would just push him off to the side. No, she it was centered around that. And I, I, um, I am quite sure that throughout Rebecca's life and Isaac's life, when they bowed their heads in prayer, they often thank God. Lord, we thank you for an Eliezer. If it wasn't for Eliezer, we wouldn't be together. If it wasn't for Eliezer, we wouldn't have this great union that we have. If it wasn't for Eliezer, I'd still be off somewhere and Isaac would still be looking for, oh my, what kind of a revelation did they have of the importance of Eliezer? See, our, our lives are tied up in the purpose that God has ordained for us before the foundation of the world. I'm just going to give two more instances here. Well, I'm giving you all the instances out of the Bible of great joy. Because I think they tell a story. In Matthew chapter 28, we find the women going to the tomb. And the angel said to them, he's not here. Verse 6, he is risen. And he said, come see the place where the Lord laid. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. 
And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him, and lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. That's a combination of feelings. With fear and great joy. Fear because they really didn't understand everything yet. They didn't have the Holy Ghost yet. They didn't, they didn't comprehend what was going on around them. But there was great joy. He's not dead. He's alive. Amen. There's an excitement that had entered into their life. Even while fear was still there. And they were rejoicing with great joy. As they come and told the disciple. He's not in the tomb anymore. We met a man. It was an angel. And he told us he'll meet you in Galilee. So we need to go into Galilee. Because we're going to see him again. Hallelujah. Great joy. We're going to see him again. I'll tell you something. We're going to see him again. Just any day now, we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. We're, we ought to have great joy just at the news of that reality. They had great joy at the news. Hallelujah. In Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 15. Now as the, as the church becomes full of the Holy Ghost, now the great joy becomes the gospel going out. What great joy that was that they experienced. Philip, down in Samaria in chapter 8 and verse 5, preached Christ unto them. No different than Brother Stephen preaching to the Methodists. They were religious people. No different than, than uh, Brother Fred Chinji preaching to the Pentecostals. No different than the Baptists hearing about it. Now here's, here's, uh, uh, here we find Philip down in Samaria. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake. That's what we see happening. Hello? Can you say amen to that? It's amazing, but it's happening. The people with one accord, Brother Stephen said, they all believed. Brother Fred said, they all believed. It's an amazing thing. Is it, is it made up? I'll tell you something. I, I've heard rumors, rumblings of, of some people say, oh, well, some people don't believe it. I don't care if they believe it or not. I'm just glad to be a part of it. It makes no difference for me if nobody believes it. I've been there. I've met them. I've heard their testimonies. Brother Mark has, re- Brother Mark Aho has recorded their testimonies. We have rejoiced just to be there in the midst of them and see those things. And, and it's caused a great exhilaration. Brother, uh, a couple of brothers, Brother Mike Diaz went with me. Brother, uh, Jonathan Frey went with me. And, and great, uh, you just ask them about their testimonies. I'll just carry on here. And it says they, they, they gave heed unto the things with Philip spake. Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice. Came out of many that were possessed with them. And many taken with palsies. And that were lame were healed. Hallelujah. Now remember the disciples came back. Saying uh, the Dave and the devils are subject unto us. And Jesus says don't rejoice over that. He says, rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. If you didn't watch the Wednesday night service, if you didn't see it, you need to go back and see it to get that context. 
But here they are now. Here's Philip now recognizing that his name is written in heaven. He's out there amongst the, uh, amongst the Samaritans preaching the word. And the Bible says, and there was great joy in that city. It was a recognition that God was doing mighty works among them. Acts chapter 15. Being brought on their way to the church, they passed through. This is Paul now, Phoenix and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles. And they caused great joy unto all the believers. <laughs> and they caused great joy unto all the believers. Why? They were sharing that the Gentiles were converted. Are you, is there great joy here? I've shared with you tens of thousands in Uganda are converted. I've shared with you dozens in Ethiopia, a land that never had the message, is, are converted. I'm sure it's over a hundred now. You know, all of these things are happening. That ought to bring us great joy. Great rejoicing. Oh, that they might have the joy that we have. That they might partake of what we are partaking of. And then it puts a responsibility on us that we have to help them get what we had because others helped us to get what we have. Amen. Amen. And so we, we find great joy being caused amongst the brethren as Paul was sharing amongst them. So in the New Testament church, the book of Acts church, everywhere it went out that people were saved and people were coming to God. It caused a great rejoicing. We realize that the scripture says that even the angels in heaven rejoice when one soul is saved. Rejoicing. Brother Branham says in 1962, he says... We're so happy that that great breath of hope rests within our souls tonight. We are happy, Lord. He's praying. Because we're not alone tonight in this fellowship of this great joy. Think about that statement. We're happy, Lord, because we are not alone tonight in this fellowship of this great joy. Are you glad you're not alone? If you were the only one in the lower mainland, and there are places in the world where there's only one believer. There are places in Ethiopia where there's only one soul. And they've rejoiced in the word. But there's an even greater joy when you realize I'm not alone. And I have people that believe just like I believe. Whom God has spoke to just like he spoke to me. And he say, goes on, he says, there are many thousands around the world who's sharing this privilege. I'll say now there's many millions. As we claim that we are not of this world, but we are pilgrims and strangers. We are merely sojourning here. We are not, we care not for the world. Our only objective is to get the world to see the one who died for them. Can you say amen to that statement? Our only objective is to get the world to see the one who died for them. It doesn't matter whether you talk about the world as your loved ones. It doesn't matter whether you talk about it as your neighbor. It doesn't matter whether you talk about it as your country or to those that you might not know overseas. They all need to know the one who died for them. In the message pardoned, he says, one of the greatest times in my life is when I get to stand before people to speak about the joy of my life, Jesus Christ. 
and what he means to me. And then to have the privilege of sharing this joy with someone else who has never had this joy. Because there's no joy like the joy you have. Don't ever despise the joy that God has given you. Don't ever feel that you don't deserve the joy that God has given you. He felt that you deserved it. He gave His own blood that you might have that joy. He gave Himself that you might partake of this. That it might be real to you. It might not be real to somebody you work with. It might not be real to somebody next, lives next door to you. That doesn't make no difference. It's real to you. And the greatest joy that, or one of the greatest privileges we have is sharing the joy with someone who has never had the joy that they might also have the joy. Amen. Amen. I'm going to take a little turn for you here. Stay with me. I was thinking about a statement made in a very uh, well-known document called the United States Declaration of Independence. And it, it struck me on, on many levels, and I'll, I'll just say this, that they, they in the second paragraph of the Declaration, the first sentence says, We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's a phrase that you have maybe heard before. But I want to say that that's all nice in the, in the way that it's written there. Very poetic, of course. Written by the great men of that day. But I want to say this morning to the believer that joy is not the goal. Joy is the fruit. Joy is not the goal, it's the fruit. For the believer, it's the fruit of being born again. It's tied to who we are in Christ because only the elect can be born again. We don't spend our life pursuing joy. We spend our life pursuing a purpose. We spend our life pursuing a character. That God has ordained for our lives. And I will say, I was really pondering Brother Murphy's service on character and how that he emphasized the predestinated aspect of it. Because we know that character is, is not a gift. God doesn't give you character, but character is a victory. So character comes through the trials that he, in his wisdom, has seen that we need in our lives. Thank you. One amen to that. Let me say it again. Character comes from the trials that God saw in his wisdom that you needed. Amen. Amen. God's wisdom, not your wisdom, not my wisdom. But with character, with the attaining of the pursuit comes the fruit, which is the joy. Amen. It might be a battle to get there. But as God leads you there, and of course in trials, God never gives us anything more than we're able to handle. And he gives us exactly what we have need of because there's a purpose in it. 
as Brother Branham says, if there was no purpose in it, he would be the author of frustration. But he's not the author of frustration. He's the author of peace and of a sound mind and all of those things. So God has ordained that we would go through certain things. And I guess I'm just talking to you real straight this morning that don't pursue the joy, pursue the purpose. But when you get the purpose, you'll get the joy. Amen. Because with the purpose comes the joy. Life is not, listen, life is not easy. There are times when you'll be in situations, if you haven't already been, and I'm sure many of you have, you'll be in situations that you, that you'll think, my, this is just so much. This life, you know, I should be happier than this, or I should have more than this. Let me just tell you, God in His wisdom has given you what you have need of to take you to a place that joy awaits. You may sow in tears, but you will reap in joy. Hallelujah. That's the promise of the Word of God. That's the redemptive blessing. That's the reality of the believer. As, as we've taken this subject now for three services, we're building up into something. And I pray that we get there today and realize what God is really doing in our lives to give you a joy that cannot be gained any other way. What a joy. So joy is the fruit, not the goal. It's tied to who we are in Christ because only the elect can be born again. Remember, joy is a fruit of the Spirit, but the Spirit is a seal of your justification or your faith that produces justification. Abraham believed God, the Bible says, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Is that right? Abraham believed, but how did, how did he believe God? He didn't just believe there was a God. Now, this is a great fallacy of this age. People say, well, I believe there's a God. That's fine. But did he speak to you? He spoke to Abraham and said, look up to the stars in the heaven and see if you can number them. And, and, and he, 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 God says, so shall your seed be. Hallelujah. And the Bible says, Abraham, believe God. A man that was barren, a man that had no children, had a wife that was barren, had nothing with which he could even say he would have a child, let alone have seed like the stars in the heaven. But that didn't matter to Abraham. He didn't look at the weakness of his own flesh. But he was strong in faith, giving praise to God. And he says, I believe you. And God accounted it to him for righteousness. And then people ask Brother Branham, says, well, isn't that all you have to do is just believe? Yes, that's all you have to do. But God, recognizing his faith, gave him the seal of circumcision. Which, Brother Branham says, is a type of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And in the baptism of the Holy Ghost lays the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, and so on. Amen. You still with me? So joy is not just stimulation of revelation, but joy comes with the Holy Ghost that shows your faith is accepted. Oh, I just have to stay here just for a moment because we have to go back to Wednesday night. Faith in what? God shows you you were always his. God shows you your name was written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. He's not asking for your emotion. He's asking you to believe Him. He's not asking for something that you'll just say, Oh, well, you know, I, I, 
Uh, sure, I understand how that works, that God is eternal and he wrote, you know, that's not, he's speaking to you personally. He's not asking you if you believe he's God. He's not asking you if you believe he's eternal. He's asking you, I'm showing you your name. Are you accepting it? Are you accepting what I'm revealing to you personally? You might go to church. You might have a good pastor. You might have a nice building, nice singing, whatever more. You have services. You're on the internet, whatever more it might be. I'm a part of this. I'm a part of the movement. That's not what God is asking you. That's not righteousness. Righteousness is God speaks to you individually. And he says, do you believe me? And you say, I don't know how, but I believe you. I believe what you have showed me must come to pass. I believe what you have said will materialize. It looks like it's impossible. His body dead. His wife barren. But Abraham says it's going to be so anyway. It's an eternal rising up from the inside of a predestinated seed gene that says God's word will never fail. Hallelujah. You're no different than Abraham because you're the seed of Abraham. You can't help it. It rises up within you. And when you, when you hear the truth of God's word, that's why you sit in a service. So you can't try and understand it with your own mind and say, oh, well, you know, I think, uh, Brother Tim, could you just say that in a certain way? Say it again. I'm trying to put it together in my mind. No, that's not how it does. When God speaks his word, which is spirit and life, doesn't matter who's preaching. And you, and you, there's something that rises up within you that says that's the truth. It's no different than when Brother Bisco was sitting on a log and Brother Branham just said, look at the next verse. And he, and, and he it just, what was the next verse? It says, and she also bare uh, Abel. They were twins. And then it was just like, bam, something on the inside of him said, that's the truth. He might not have been able to explain it, but it rose up within him. No different than when I was sitting on a picnic table with Brother Mark. Um, Brother Mark, I just... I'm so preaching now, I can't remember his last name. And brother, brother Mark and I are sitting there, and as we're sitting there, excuse me, brother Mark, as he, as we're sitting there, he says, well, have you ever heard of serpent seed? And I said, no, what's serpent seed? And he just tells me in his simple way, having hardly been in the message at all, just tells me what serpent seed is, and it's like, bang, there it is. There's the answer. Oh, what did it take? Emotion? No. Altar call? No. It took God speaking to me. I'm going to use this man to bring my word to you. And then I want to see what you're going to say about it. No different than the woman at the well. No different than Zacchaeus. No different than the woman caught in adultery. No different than the different ones through the scripture that Jesus went to. The disciples that he called. All of those things. They all were asked to identify with the word. So joy is not the... Just the stimulation of revelation. But joy or stimulation is happening because of revelation. Shows that you can't manufacture joy any more than you can manufacture revelation. So quit pursuing it. Pursue your purpose. It comes unexpectedly. From unexpected places. What if I told you. You know what. I'm going to take you. In your life. And I'm going to tie you to somebody for the rest of your life. 
And you're not going to be able to get away from that person. Matter of fact, you're going to have to listen to what that person says the rest of your life. You're like, what? What are you talking about? But that's what happens to every woman that gets married. Well, that was quiet. That's what marriage is. It's bondage. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll turn this way. We need a camera over here, Brother Mike, so I can just preach to a camera, maybe. That's what happens. Nothing beats the joy of marriage in the natural realm. Not that everybody gets married. Don't, don't misunderstand me because I'm not preaching about natural marriage. I'm preaching about Christ in the church. The happiest, most joyous day is the day when the woman comes into bondage. Oh my, thank you. Somebody said amen. Do we not call it the bonds of holy matrimony? Isn't that what we call it, Brother Joe? It's the bonds of it. All the sisters are just like, move on, Brother Tim. But something happens in the midst of this, what is called bondage. And that's why the world doesn't want marriage. Because they don't want to be bound. But if they don't want to be bound in a marriage relationship, neither can they have the joy of the marriage relationship. All right? Not everybody gets to experience, but in Christ, all get to experience this. As Paul says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. It's, it's the ability to relax oneself in a relationship that you cannot give yourself to unreservedly in any other relationship. It's a level of trust that you cannot have anywhere else. It's a level of peace that comes only through you experiencing something that's called bondage. I'm going to keep using that word until you at least relax. All right? It's, it's an experience amongst people. Even men have to experience the same thing in realizing I am bound to this woman for the rest of my life. That's what marriage is. The two recognizing now. I'm coming to some. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But while they enter into the bonds of marriage, it's actually bringing a freedom that you, you will be unable to find anywhere else. And you're now, now I realize folks, I got to take this off because I'm really sweating now as I'm talking on this subject. Now we have to realize I'm talking about a marriage the way it's supposed to be. I'm not talking about what the world calls marriage. I'm not even talking about if your marriage is broke down, if your marriage has shortcomings. I want to tell you something. The truth about marriage and divorce has been revealed in the message. When I say marriage and divorce, people think about divorce, but it's also the truth about marriage. And the reality of what a marriage is meant to be, which as Brother Branham preached, the invisible union between the heavenly bridegroom and the earthly bride, all the helps you need to improve your marriage are laying within the message of the hour. This is glorious because I know because it fixed my marriage. And so we, we, in that marriage relationship, as I said on Wednesday night, life becomes a new book. 
And that's the way it is to being born again, especially in the experience of the opening of the word. All right, I'm moving on. Now, you don't get married to pursue happiness. You get married because you realize you are incomplete without the other person. Let me say it again. You don't get married just to be happy. You get married because you realize you can't live without the other person. Amen. Brother Brown said it to a young couple. He says, if you can't live without her, you better marry her. And now, now don't, don't, young people, don't use these individual quotes as justification for something that you want to do. You want to get counseling on marriage? Get counseling on marriage. Don't take me out of context and say, well, Brother Tim said this or Brother Tim said that. Don't do that. What I'm talking about is Christ in the church. The reason you marry somebody is because you can't live without them. But with that comes a great joy. With that comes a great happiness. And you don't come to Christ just to be happy. You come to Christ because it's revealed to you that you are incomplete without Christ. Hallelujah. God himself comes to you and shows you without me you can never be what you desire to be. Without my revelation, without my life, without my quickening, without my protection, without my comfort, without my peace, you cannot be what you are called to be. Not everybody hears that, but God's elect hear that. There's something in us that says uh, there's more out there. And then Christ comes by our way and says, that's it. That's what I've been lacking right there. It's not that I wasn't alive or it's not that I wasn't existing, but yet life lacked meaning. But when Christ came by my way, listen, I was, I know what it is to have a career. I know what it is to be popular. I know what it is to, to be promoted. I know what all those kind of things are as a young man moving up the ladder and all those kind of things. But that did, that didn't fulfill what was down on the inside of the inside. But when God brought his word by my way, I just believed him. Hallelujah. I believed him. And he, he looked at my faith and gave me the Holy Ghost and changed my life. Hallelujah. I was incomplete without him. And to the world's religions. Now, I was pondering this and from the aspect because as you travel around the world, you meet people of different religions. And they have a problem with Jesus because they don't understand the purpose of Jesus. To the Muslims, he's a prophet. To the Jews, he's a heretic. To, to other religions, he's a good man. To even to many Christians, he's God in the general sense of the word. But they still don't understand because they often think that we as Christians are tr- what we're trying to say is that you t- need to believe that Jesus is God to be saved. That's not what we're trying to say. That is not Christianity. Cr- Christianity, if Christianity was that, then the devil would be able to be saved. Hello. I realize I got you here over a barrel. But what Christianity is, is that you must accept what Jesus has done for you. That's Christianity. 
You were born in sin. I was born in sin. There's no way at all for us to get out of a sinful nature. But God allowed us to be born in a sinful nature so that he could become flesh in Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, to take away the sin of the world and pay the price that was necessary to redeem me from my sin. To redeem you from your sin. Not to redeem you from your bad works. From your sinful nature that you were born with. You can't get away from it. You can't go to God and say, I, many religions of the world are this way. The Sikh religion, the Hindu religion, different religions. Uh, they, they think that they're going to stand before their God, however they look at it, and say, I did this good work, and I did that good work, and I did this good work. You'll never stand before God and be justified by your works. There's only one way to stand justified before God is to accept the atoning work of Jesus Christ for your sins and let Him change your life. We call it accepting Him as your Savior. Charles Spurgeon had two women in his congregation one time. One brother texted me after Wednesday night says, I love Spurgeon's quotes. So here you go. Here's another one from Spurgeon. Spurgeon had two women in his congregation, young women. They came to him after the service was over. Church of 5,000 people. They, the, the deacon brings them back to his office and says, these two women want to talk to you about Christ. And they, they, they confessed that they were very affected by the service and they wanted to give their life to Jesus Christ. And, and so he, he explained to them what Christ had done for them and how that they were born in sin and how they needed to be to accept Christ as the propitiation or the, the atonement for their sin. And the one says, oh, I accept him. I accept him as all. See, the word struck her and she believed it. But the other woman, she was quiet. And he said, he said, now, and when I go like this, don't think I'm pointing at you. And she, she stood there quietly and he said to her pointedly, says, do you accept what Christ has done for you? She says, I don't know if I can. Would you pray for me? He says, no. He says, if you can't accept what Jesus has done for you, my prayers aren't going to help you. It's not about my prayers. It's not about who I am. Christ died for your sins. You either accept it and go on with Christ, or you do not accept it and you go to hell. Oh my, that was straight for that woman. That was, that was maybe hard for her. She, oh well, well, won't you pray for me? She wanted some Christian sympathetic view of Christ. Listen, Christ died because you're a sinner. Without Him, you're lost. And you must accept the atoning work of Jesus Christ or be lost. It's got nothing to do with how good you are or how bad you are. There was a woman at the well, and there was there was uh, the Gamaliel at the at the uh, which Paul there were Paul raised at the feet of Gamaliel. Paul was a Jew of the Jews, as righteous as they come, and there was a woman at the well, as unrighteous as they come. They both had to accept what Jesus did. Hallelujah! Makes no difference where you come from. We're all born in sin. That's Christianity. We all need Christ. We all must be born again. Except you're born again, you cannot receive or see the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Jesus is the only one. 
that could make the provided sacrifice to bridge the gulf between God and man. God become kinsman that redemption could take place. Kinsman redeemer. I'm going to be out of time here soon. Kinsman redeemer. There was, there was Ruth and Naomi coming, back, coming from Moab back to Israel. They had sold their land. Naomi's husband and had sold his land and now they had gone to Moab because the economic prospects were better. Be, cha- be careful chasing economic prospects. And they went back because the husband died, the sons died. Now it's just Ruth and Naomi. Orpah left. It's just two women. What do they have? All they have is what the word says you can glean. It's all they have. They don't have no land. Don't have nothing. Now, human sympathy would say, let's start a GoFundMe. Oh yeah. Let's start a GoFundMe and let, let's help them out here. Let's raise some money. And let's let's help them get a little place and help them have their own place. I'm not I'm not ridiculing any go GoFundMe's. You do what you want to do. But God had a law. And that law was the law of a kinsman redeemer. Amen. And they had a kinsman. And she happened to glean in the field of Boaz who was a kinsman. Right. Not the nearest kinsman, but a near kinsman. And the law said that Boaz could redeem her. And Boaz, to make a long story short, Boaz tells Ruth, I will do all that you have asked of me. I will fulfill the role of kinsman redeemer. I have to first extinguish the rights of the nearest kinsman. That's what Christ did at Calvary. He extinguished the rights of the devil over our lives. He paid the price for every sin. He paid the price for every trespass. He paid the price for every wrong. He paid the price for every sin. There's nothing that isn't paid for already. Do you accept what he's done for you? That's the question. And Boaz, Ruth took the barley went that he gave her. She went home. Oh, there's, there Naomi told her what's going on. She says, don't worry, Boaz now will not rest until he has fulfilled everything. Hallelujah. She understood the mind of Boaz. Listen, when God opens his word, it's that you might understand his thoughts pertaining to you. How many times in the Bible, like in the book of Jeremiah, where God says, I know the thoughts I have towards you. Hallelujah. Oh, if you could understand the thoughts of God towards you. That's why the Bible says in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, all the mystery will be finished. The mystery of what? The mystery of God's thoughts towards you. Why is he working on me? But he's not working on the person next to me. Why is he speaking to me? But he's not speaking to the neighbor. He's not speaking to the co-worker. He's not speaking to that person across the street. Why, why is it me? Why is God? Oh, if you could only understand God's thoughts. You would rejoice with great joy. 
you would be bring be brought into something. Now I gotta I gotta go somewhere, and then we'll come to the to the ending here. I'll just say it this way: We are not saved by our own will. There's a seed within us that yearns for redemption. You could even say it's a predestinated seed. But that seed will not save you. That seed will only bring you to salvation that God is offering to you. It yearns for eternal life because it was eternal. It's from the eternal. And it yearns for the reality of that. But it's not going to produce it until you surrender your will to God's will. I was interested in the in in Luther dealing with this subject. I happened to come across it last week. And, and it was a great question in his era because, of course, they're coming out of the Catholic Church, which was all works. You gotta do this, you can't do this, this is what you need for that. You know, it's all trying to build up enough. We would call them maybe brownie points. To get to heaven. And uh, I'll just, I'll just want to read you something here that Luther said. Is that all right? Are you still with me this morning? He says, as for me, I firmly confess that if it were possible, I would not wish to be given free will. Or to have anything left in my power by which I could endeavor to be saved. Not only because in the midst of so many adversities and dangers... And also, so many assaults by devils, I would not be able to stand firm and keep hold of it, since the devil is stronger, he says, than all men put together. But also because, even if there were no dangers, no adversities, no devil, I would still be forced to struggle continually towards an uncertainty and beat the air with my fists. For no matter how long I should live and do works, my conscience would never be certain and sure how much it had to do to satisfy God. For no matter how many works I did, there would always remain a scruple about whether it pleased God or whether He required something more as is proved by the experience of self-justifiers. And I learned over so many years, much to my own grief. Oh, hallelujah. I love great men of God. Luther's saying, listen, I've wrestled this out. And in in this statement come evidences of the Holy Ghost. Oh, if we just speak in tongues. There was a man that came to Brother Brown. And says, you know, I, I, God began to deal with me. I, I read something that someone had put in my pocket. And he says, I began to look for God. And I went to this group. And they said, if you put your name on the book, he says, he says then, then you'd, you'd, you'd have it. And I put my name on the book and I didn't feel anything. He says, then I, another group I went to said, if you shouted, you have it. And he, he, he said, well, I, I, I got some kind of joy and I shouted. And he says, but that didn't change any of the self-doubt. And he says, then, 
He says, if I, I went to this other group, the Pentecostals, they said, well, if you, you gotta, you gotta speak in tongues. You gotta get the Holy Ghost and get so happy to you speak in tongues. And he says, I, I tried and I, I think I spoke in tongues. He says, and that didn't change nothing. They said, well, I guess there's no hope for me. And, and they said, if you wanna, you know, if you're still struggling, he says, go, go speak to William Branham because he'll, he'll help you answer the question. And so he's talking to Brother Branham. He says, what about it? And the Brother Branham says, well, let me ask you a question. He says, you were going, what were you doing before you read that? He said, well, I was car salesman. He says, I would just have my business and doing my sales and life was just going along. He says, and he says, what turned you around? He says, well, I, I read that little piece of paper. What would happen to you if you died? And he says, that started to work on me. He says, so Brother Brown says, so you were going this way and you read that piece of paper and then you started going this way. He says, what changed you? He says, you mean to say I had it all along? Brother Brown says, yeah, that's what I'm telling you. See, a lot of times we, even as Christians, oh, I hope this doesn't tread on any toes here. Sometimes we, we, we try to make evidences out of it. You know, you gotta get it the way I got it. You got, you got to experience it the way I experienced it. And Brother Branham was talking to a Baptist man one time and, and the Baptist man, obviously, Brother Bram said he had the Holy Ghost. He, he said so, but he was taking the side of the Pentecostals. And, and he says, he was talking to this man and the man said, well, he said, he says, well, you hang around with a lot of Pentecostals. And Brother Bram said, well, praise the Lord. He says, you, he says, have you got the Holy Ghost? The man says, well, he says, I, I certainly love the Lord. I certainly know my life has been changed. And, and, and Brother Bram says, well, have you spoken tongues? Have you got the gift of tongues? Because he's taken now the other side of the argument. And, and the man said, well, he just went over and put his arm around Brother Branham, I think it was. And he, he said, well, brother, he says, listen. He says, I might not see it the way you see it, but I think we're still brothers. And Brother Branham said, that's okay, brother. I actually see it the way you see it. But he was trying him out. Oh. Well, it doesn't have to be this way, Brother Tim. doesn't have to be that way. No, God speaks to you as an individual. God brings his word by your way. And he's wanting to know, what are you going to do with my word? He's not interested in what church are you going to join. He's not interested in what group you're going to be a part of, as they call it, a cohort in this age. What, what, what this or that is going to, God wants to know. Now, if you, if you receive the word, birds of a feather flock together. You know, we realize those that have received the word will be drawn together, as the Bible says, as the last days draw near, gather yourselves the more so together. That's an important aspect of things. But in the very midst of it all, all of these ideas that, that try and tie salvation to something, the salvation of God is sovereign. And I'll just say, to have a certain manifestation or, or of tongues or shouting or something, even to the point that somebody says, well, you have to believe a certain doctrine. Really? How can you even believe a doctrine if God doesn't reveal it to you? Now, this is going to be good foundational for somebody. You have to have a certain type of experience. You got to come the hard way. You got to come the altar. Birth is always a mess. You know, there's all these statements. And they're all true in their place. They're all true in their place. Listen, I got nothing against any of that. Uh, I know there was, I'll just say it. It's on my mind. I took it out of my notes because I didn't want to say it. But I said, Lord, if you bring it back to my mind, I'll say it. 
I've even heard the statement, I don't believe in this easy believism. And I'll say, I don't believe in easy believism either, but I don't believe in hard believism. But I believe in only believism. That's what I believe in. That might be, I'll be happy for somebody else, but that speaks to me. Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. And God gave him the seal of circumcision. Listen, I'm not saying that you can't do anything. I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying that you have to actually do everything that God reveals to you. Because when God revealed to Abraham, now Abraham, that son that I gave you, I want you to take him out now and I want you to sacrifice him. Abraham still believed God. Hallelujah. He still believed the original promise was true. I will have, I will be the father of many nations. My seed will be as the stars in the heaven. They'll be as the sand on the seashore. And as he's walking out there, he says, I and the lad go yonder to worship and I and the lad shall return. Abraham didn't know how it was going to happen. He took up a knife as he laid Isaac on the altar after telling him God will provide for himself a sacrifice. He was still believing. He raised up his hand with that knife. He was still believing. And he was ready to thrust it into Isaac. Still believing. And God sends his angel. Hey, Abraham, stop your hand. Oh my, what an experience. God knew. Now listen, God already knew. Hello? God already knew. But Abraham didn't know. God was anchoring it in Abraham. Listen, you believe me no matter what happens. And I want to show you that you believe me. And God will take us through experiences that show you your name is written on the book. That's why you can't deny me. Because I wrote your name before the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. It's got nothing to do with I myself. I kept myself. I, I molded my character. I did this. I, I pressed in. I was tough. I was rugged. I stood true. It's nothing to do with me. He anchored me beyond the veil. Before the foundation of the world. Nothing can change that writing. Hallelujah. Nothing can change it. I'm a part of him and he's a part of me. And he's come down in our day to reveal his thoughts pertaining to us as I bring this to a close. Hallelujah. Sometimes the re- I think my, my, my initial burden on this subject has been an evolution over the last couple of weeks. But my initial burden was, why isn't the church more joyful than it is? Why, why does it seem like people are downcast and and burdened and heavy and you know where's the lightness to their step where's the joy you know where where where's that that's something on the inside of the inside that overrides every circumstance and why is that and then i i as i begin to ponder that the i think the reason that we do and this is just brother tim the reason that we don't have the rejoicing in the church that we should is that we don't really understand what jesus has done for us by opening the book By loosing the seven seals. We don't really comprehend the full scope of what has taken place in our day. You know, when Jesus rose from the dead, it was great joy. When the Messiah was sent and the angels appeared, it was great joy. 
When the wise men saw the star, it was great joy. When Solomon began to take his throne, it was great joy. When the temple began to be gathered together, it was great joy. When the rebuilding of the walls happened, it was great joy. How much more the revealing of the redemptive purpose of God by the loosing of the seven seals. That brings us, you know, because we ought to understand. We Let me just say, and I'm not criticizing you. I'm, I'm speaking as much to myself as anybody. Is that God wants us to catch that we're in a transition ministry that we commonly refer to as the rapture. Hallelujah. Go back to Solomon. Solomon, where did he come from? Somewhere in the palace. We don't know. Where did the lamb come from? He come from the eternities, Brother Brown said. And Solomon now, He's going to the throne, but he doesn't just step onto the throne. The prophet anoints him. Then they put him on the king's mule. And they they prayed him through the streets. Not some great fancy horse, not some great big something, but this is the king's mule. Might not be something too fancy to the world, but it's representative of something that Solomon's coming to his position. So is it in the bride of Jesus Christ. When those seals opened in 1963, it was a representation. Jesus is coming to his position. And he's revealing the key ingredients that must come into place. See, there had to be a prophet anointing. There had to be, there had to be the, the mule. There had to be all these things. He had to ride on a power, in other words. And, and all of these things had to come into place. And so is it now in the rapture. After the seals were open, God is revealing His mind. My mind is that Christ would sit on His throne. And the Lamb is leaving His Father's throne for a purpose to go to His own throne. And part of the ingredient is that He's calling a bride. How is he calling a bride? The Lord himself shall descend with a shout. It's a message to gather the bride of Jesus Christ together. It's a revelation that's come in these last days that is placing a bride in her position as bride. Or let me put it to you another way, that is placing the church. I realize these things are details that might not mean a lot to you. But what I'm saying is there is important details to be done in the finishing of the plan of redemption. And God is doing it. And as Naomi told Ruth, as I'm telling you as the bride, I'm not saying I'm Naomi, but as I'm telling you as the bride, I'm just saying to you, rest in him. Because he will not rest until the work is finished. Hallelujah. We might not understand all the details. We might not understand exactly how God's going to make it all fit together. But he spoke his word in this hour. And I'm here to say, I believe him. I absolutely believe this message. It's not something that I'm just trying to say, this is my message. or that. No, I believe what Christ did in the opening of the book. Hallelujah. I believe the, that an ushering of events is has such inertia in its unfolding that it's unstoppable that a bride will be changed. There will be a body change. 
there will be a resurrection. I might not understand when. I might not understand how. But I know when I look at the opening of those seven seals in 1963, that was a lamb stepping forth saying, time will be no longer delayed. Now is the time. Now is the season. And you are the people. Hallelujah. The joy of knowing your name was written in that book. Hallelujah. Your name is written in that book. The Gentiles is about done. God will be turning to the Jews very soon. Jesus will be taking his throne and we will be there. In his throne with him. Hallelujah. This is not a bill of rights. This is not a constitution. This book is the rights of the attributes of God. The lives of the Old Testament were a prophecy of this. I got to bring this to a close here. Musicians, why don't you come? Brother Bram says, watch the title deed of redemption of all creation in his hand. He come to claim it back for the human race, not claim it for angels. Claim it for the human, which is, was given to make sons and daughters of God again. Bring them back to the Garden of Eden. That's why on Wednesday I went through, not all humanity is going to be saved. Hello? Did you watch Wednesday night? Even if you weren't here, did, how many saw Wednesday night? All right, there's some of you that don't have your hands raised. You need to see it. Why did I go through that? Because I want you to realize there's a bride. There's a righteous group. There's a people who, who reject it. There's borderline believers. And there's a people that never know nothing about it. Name's never written in the book. It just is those kind of people. Why? Because he's God. And he has a plan and nobody tells him what to do. But this book, this book, is to bring, is given to make sons and daughters of God again. Bring them back to a garden of Eden. Everything they lost, the whole creation, the trees, the animal life, everything else. And then Brother Branham says, Oh my, don't that make you feel good. Hallelujah. Don't that make you feel good. The American founding fathers, they they said, you know, certain inalienable rights amongst human beings, namely life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That Jefferson, Franklin, Adams, Sherman, Livingston, they were the authors of this, this statement. Even if they were godly men, which they not all were, But even if they were godly men, they were not living in the age of full revelation. But today, God has revealed His attitude towards mankind. The rights that you have are more than inalienable. They are eternal. You have a right to everything that was lost in the Garden of Eden. And the Lamb opening the book says so. Hallelujah. The Lamb opening that book says my rights are indistinguishable, are unextinguishable. You cannot extinguish these rights. You cannot make them go away. No devil can make your rights go away. No sickness can make your rights go away. No disease can make your rights go away. I have a right to divine healing. 
I have a right to the power of God. I have a right to every blessing that's laying in the Word. Because when the seals were open, a, a man said to Brother Brandon, Oh, it would be something that's not in the book. He says, No, it has to be here. He says, But it's been hidden down through the ages, but the opening the seals revealed the mysteries that were laying right here to be made known to the elect in the last days. Amen. That they could stand there though it was hidden in plain sight. But now to the elect it's revealed in plain sight. It gives us God's own attitudes towards his bride. That's why when it's revealed to you. The gates of hell cannot prevail against it. It's just revealed to me. Oh brother Tim what evidence do you show? I have no evidence to show you. It's just revealed to me. Oh, Brother Tim, how did you receive it? That doesn't make no difference to you. The important part is that you receive it. Because when I received it, it was made real to me. And lo and behold, the world left me. And, and over time, every sickness became subject to the name of Jesus Christ. Every trial became bearable. Every hardship, hardship became Something that was just a stepping stone of God's grace. Everything that God put in my life, I begin to see was put there to draw me nearer to Him. Nearer to Him. And that's where we stand in this hour. God wants you to know your rights cannot be stopped. I'm saying that without emotion for a reason. I want you to get the revelation of it. Your rights Cannot be stopped. They're more real than the pew you're sitting on. That pew will pass away. But your rights in the Lamb's book of life will never pass away. One paid the price. Jesus Christ. That price needs no addition. His blood paid the price For every promise in this word, even the hidden ones that are only revealed in the last days. Amen. So if the church, the Holy Spirit has been in the church for 2,000 years. Now the opening of the book, making the Bible of reality in this day to bring a great joy amongst the bride. There'll be one last step. There'll be one more great joy. I hope you feel this great joy because if you can enter into this great joy, there's one coming at the end of the millennium. When God sets up His temple, having gathered His resources and sets up the throne and the temple upon the earth, oh, I'll tell you what, there'll be a rejoicing on that day. When all death is extinguished and all the devils are extinguished, And all the unbelievers perish in the lake of fire. Oh, we'll live forever and forever, ever to be with the king. Soon the lamb will take his bride to be ever at his side. Let's stand together. Oh, are you happy today? Are you glad that the Lord has revealed his word to you? Amen. Amen. Soon the lamb will take his bride. Soon the lamb will take his bride to be ever at his side. All the host of heaven will assemble Oh, will be a glorious sight. All the saints in spotless white.
Brother Branham was in a situation and he he was in a hospital visiting a minister's son was a little baby and uh, his name happened to be Ricky Brother Branham wasn't big on the name Ricky for good reason but he his dad asked if Brother Brown would come and pray. The, the baby, I think, had cancer or something and was just, was really just going to die. And so he says, I looked down at that little fella. I thought, Lord, what would you do if you were standing here? And he says, I realize I'm in the pulpit and I realize that God is present. But it seemed to me that something spoke down in my soul. And said, I'm waiting to see what you're going to do about it. I gave my authority to the church. There you come back again to say to this mountain. I gave my authority to the church. And I'm waiting to see what you're going to do. He gave his authority to us. He gave his commission to us. Go into the highways and byways. He gave... He gave us a message. We, we can stand here and say, this message needs to reach the world. But God's waiting to see what we're going to do about it. There might be an individual sick here this morning. And maybe by the ministry of the word, it's revealed to you that, in, that healing is part of your rights. But God want, wants to see what you're going to do about it. It's your inheritance. It's your portion. Maybe there's a sinner here this morning, an unbeliever here that has never been quickened. And you heard this morning that you're a sinner and you need to give Jesus Christ or you need to accept what Jesus Christ has done for you. Just like I did. Just like every believer did. He's waiting to see what you're going to do about it. He says, I wonder if that's his attitude towards us all the time. That he's waiting to see what we're going to do about it. 
What about the signs of the time we've been preaching about? What would he do? He's waiting to see what we'll do. And he says, I got this little baby's hand in mine. I just in my fingers like that. It was so little. I said, Lord, hear the prayer of your servant. You ever been there? Been there. Times where if God doesn't hear your prayer, it's going to be bad news. He said, Lord, hear the prayers of your servant. And by faith that I believe that you are, I place between this demon of cancer and the baby's life, the blood of Jesus Christ. Between the killer and the baby, the blood by faith, I place that. I couldn't say nothing else. I just turned around and started walking out and the father followed me. Rest of the story. Next day, they took the tubes out of the baby. The next week, the baby was discharged. Why? Because God is God. I put all my faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing else. I have no goodness to add to that. I have nothing more I could say. And because of that blood, God said, I will send you a message. That will reveal all the mysteries of redemption. And here we are today. And I just say, Lord, I believe you. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? For your need, for your situation. Maybe you just need to, as a token to God, raise your hand and say, Lord, I want you to know, I believe you. I want you to know, I accept what was done for me. And I want you to hear my prayer this morning as Brother Tim is praying. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're standing in your presence, the mighty, august presence of God this morning. It feels very powerful here this morning, Lord. Unusually so, but probably that way many times. But just this morning, Father... It's like you're speaking or dealing with somebody very personally this morning. It might not even be here. It might be out on the internet. It might be at the camp. Somebody, Lord, that you knew needed to hear these things this morning. Because you speak your word because faith comes by hearing the word. So now, Lord, on the basis of your word, I'm standing in your presence. You see the hands that are raised. Hands raised in the sanctuary here. Hands raised in the offices. Hands raised in the, in the homes, Lord. Hands raised at camp, oh God. In confession, Lord, that we're believing you. Lord, we stand by your word. We just believe your word. And we confess ourselves as children of Abraham. We don't understand how the promise is going to be. But heavens and earth will pass away. But your word will never pass away. Lord, we give ourselves unreservedly to you this morning. Lord, if it's a sinner, cleanse them from their sins. If it's a sick person, Lord, even now, let the power that was loosed at Calvary, the virtue that came through those stripes, let it purge through these bodies this morning, oh God. Let sickness be driven away. Lord, if there be anybody with this virus, let it be driven out of their bodies this morning. If there be any other type of sickness, let it be driven from them, oh God. 
Let every demon be driven back by the light of the presence of God. We claim it in the name of Jesus Christ. Claiming only the blood as the self-sufficient price. We love you, Lord. We thank you, O God. We praise you for this time we've had together. May something that was done, something that was said, stir up your people. May they walk from here with a renewed faith, with a lighter step, with a joy manifested in their lives. Saying, oh, what a God I serve. What a mighty one has revealed himself to me. What a great being that I have been brought into relationship with. We love you, Lord. We thank you. Thank you, Lord, for sending a prophet. Thank you, Lord, for delivering your message through him. Thank you, Lord, for everything you've done in our lives. We love you. We commit ourselves to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I want to just sing that song, Down From His Glory, if you wouldn't mind. Let's just... Let's just ponder this. Let's just worship him for a moment. We're going to dismiss just in a minute or two. Let's just sing this as praise to him. Down from his glory, heavenly. Sacrifice.
Hallelujah. Do you love Him? He says, By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you have love for one another. Amen. Not just that you love me, but that you love one another. Do you love Him? Do you love each other? Amen. Praise be to God. We're glad to be here with you this morning and glad that we could worship the Lord with you. This afternoon at 4 o'clock, there'll be a meeting at the camp at Mount Baker. And if you're on the U.S. side, I don't know if there's any seats available, but you can find that online. And uh, But if not, there'll be a streaming service here in Canada. And uh, the service will be put up on the screen here at 4 o'clock. We'll come and partake of it together tonight. God bless you. Greet one another. I know you can't shake hands, but turn around and say, God bless you to somebody. The service is dismissed in Jesus' name.